Happy Sunday, family. I hope that you've had a great day um, and that you've had a great start to your new week. Um, Today's episode for y'all feel me is going to be a little bit different. Um, I actually have a script for this episode. I typically just kind of go off the dome or jot a few things in my journal. But since I'm talking about a lot of nuanced topics today, since I'm talking about a lot of specific experiences and layered encounters, um, I need to really make sure that I'm organized and that I'm clear and concise and communicate my message effectively. Um, This is my truth. This is from my perspective and my experiences with the Black community at LSU as well as student government. So um, today's episode is entitled All Skin Folk Ain't Kin Folk, and we're going to get into the issue of Black people who continue to compromise the movement by upholding systems that are drenched in white supremacy. So in order for us to fully address the ways that we can eradicate the effects of white supremacy in our community, we have to look within first. So I'm going to break up this episode into two parts, the first being the breakdown of um, systems like student government on LSU's campus, um, and also... I'm going to get into just kind of the state of affairs from my perspective. And then the second part, I'm going to get into what black leadership at LSU should look like, in my opinion, and some closing thoughts. So let's get into it. So um, when we're having this conversation, I'm reminded of a quote by Zora Neale Hurston. She says that, quote, all your skin folk ain't your kin folk. And I'm also reminded by um, I'm reminded Um, of the famous video of Nikki Giovanni telling James Baldwin that some people have black face but a white mind and when they say this they're referring to black people who have black skin appear to be black but fight for and support systems of oppression so today I'm going to use my experiences with the black community at my alma mater and their relation to our governing body which is student government and how this behavior on a micro level can be extended to and found in our larger society so initial breakdown of SG a large percentage of our student government is made up of rich white Greek men and women with a few sprinkles here and there um, just like the Louisiana legislature and just like our US government so much like many political campaigns local state and national there are almost always uses of a machine which is a systematic way to make sure that your political party or your candidate will win um, and maintain success after that so in LSU's case the machine has supported white men and in particular one black man in our recent history Um, and there has never been a black woman president at LSU although when you look at the groundwork that's being done it's at the hands of black women just like in our American society the most recent black president we had ran a pose with a white woman who was um, Greek and um, he and she were involved in various groups and organizations that were majority white. Because of the way that LSU is set up, you have to get white Greek votes in order to win. So you can see that there's a lot of shape shifting, code switching and pandering that one would have to do as a black person to run this race. I used to think that that was the way. Shaking hands and smiling with the oppressor would allow me to gain their respect and it would allow me to pave a way Um, for me to create change in the systems that oppress myself and others, but I was very wrong. I took the same track. I joined student government, joined ambassadors, um, ran for Miss LSU. I involved myself with as many organizations that were deemed the standard, but I was blackballed and shamed and isolated when I took this route because, of course, the first year everyone was excited about, I guess, new diversity, and then the second year I kind of or maybe not even into the second year, I was just like, well, I'm going to use my platform to speak out about what's going on. This is stale. This is stagnant. It reminds me of my work in the Capitol. Like everyone is just here for a position and no work is getting done. No long term work is getting done. Um, And so the blackballing and the isolation, it left me with little time and little support. So after the fall semester, um, 
I had a real moment with myself and said, okay, well, this group of people doesn't accept me for me, so let's run for the students. So I dug deep, I talked to people, and I continued to construct a campaign that was centered around the people and service. When I and many other Black candidates who were not backed by the machine with um, ran within this system, within student government, we were blackballed by people within SG, we were isolated by administration, and we were met with unbelievable racism. So most of us were not allowed into the frat houses um, or the sorority houses, which we expected, but what we were not expecting at all um, was the resistance that we were met with um, within the black community. Trigger warning, I'm about to mention um, someone's name who's assaulted people on LSU's campus. So if you're still affected by this, you can please skip ahead. Um, myself and two other black candidates I've spoken with over the past year and a half have all faced um, scrutiny and lack of support from a major leader and influencer within the black community. His name is Howard. Not only has he violated, manipulated, and assaulted dozens of young women on LSU's campus, he has supported the machine within SG as well as candidates they produce. So like Jason Batto, Zach Faircloth, and he supported Zach Faircloth a white man when Kendra Davis, a black woman, was running, and he supported William Jewell, a white man, while I was running, a black woman. He's used the position of president of NAACP and other, you know, tactics um, and the creation of an off-the-books organization known as Black Leadership Council, which, by the way, has not supported um, black candidates, like, as a whole, um, they have not pushed black candidates, not that I've seen in the past few years. And it doesn't stop there. He has groomed a group of black men and women on LSU's campus, mentored them, quote unquote, to continue to support the machine and white interests, all while being a part of black LSU. Names are not important here because I have listeners from out of state and people know who they are, but there was a concerning number of prominent black students who either refused to get involved with or openly support a black candidate or supported white candidates that back like that were backed by the machine. Um, they donated to this campaign, jigged an FSA for this campaign, um, volunteered to campaign with them. Um, and the ticket was run by two white candidates who had done no real work in student government, pandered for black votes and left black students out to dry after they won. Black people who joined this campaign have had to fight this administration for not speaking out about black issues until the ninth hour. The current student body president has yet to give black leaders the proper credit and respect whenever they actually do the work. And when two resolutions were created um, in response to the Black Lives Matter movement, those resolutions passed without a signature. So even the symbolic stuff, like it's just subpar. Black students at LSU supported this candidate or these candidates versus supporting a black front runner who um, sits with them, talks with them, walks with them. The one that supported a black woman who ran the year before him because he believed in her. He felt like he had faith enough to support a candidate um, that was not backed by the machine. And um, just to clarify, the same way I don't think black people should vote for someone solely because you think they'll win, um, I don't think you should vote for someone solely based off their skin color. Let's look at the facts. The current machine pick is a black man. Um, and the one they're allegedly priming after that is a black woman. But let's look at the material. Where has their support and loyalty been? Um, the current pick, who's a black man, he's supported two white men, William and Stone, who have done nothing for the black community since they've been in office. Correct me if I'm wrong, but try to name three things they've done for black people on their own accord. The current administration used a stock photo of a white woman at a protest, and the current machine pick, a black man, said, so we're assuming this is a white girl and didn't seem to understand what was the issue at hand. And even going back to my year, whenever I ran, William, he had a black female um, vice president candidate and he stifled her 
um, her ideas whenever they ultimately did win. And she had a difficult time with that. And I feel like black leadership at LSU can exist without student government if a, like, you know, but if you if you want to work within the realm of student government, um, please support a black candidate who's actually done the groundwork within the community, not just having a black face. And the black community can, in response to that, show collective support. That means engagement, volunteering, donating, showing up for that person, having black Greek support and support of, of black leadership council. Look at the main leaders or popular figures within Black LSU today and ask who they supported for student body president. Ask how they supported Black women. Ask, did they pass the mic to women who were doing the real work? Look at how they responded to Black women when they came out about their brothers. These are critical questions that you have to ask. And um, I'm capping that off with part one. Um, And just to clarify before going into part two and a wrap up, I want this to be um, taken as something that's it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about critiquing a system that is supposed to be the highest point of advocacy for students. It's about if you want to be a leader, open yourself up to criticism. That's just the natural way of things. Um, Just because someone has constructive criticism based on some past experience that they've had doesn't mean that somebody's coming for your top or coming for your neck. So hopefully this can be used as a blueprint of how to properly critique your leaders and to hold them accountable and ask the real questions. So stay tuned for part two. Um, I'm going to get into um, a few closing thoughts and yeah, so stay tuned. Bye.